0: Chapter 9 of Secretary Hawkins in Cuba. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Secretary Hawkins in Cuba by Secretary Hawkins. The Fascinating Portrait Now that Link Lambert had obtained possession of his inheritance and was the owner of Villa Casanova, with the prospect of becoming the owner of a big sugar business when he reached his 21st birthday anniversary, I said that it was time for Jack and me to go back home. But the moment I mentioned it to the skinny guy, he grew sad and without a word walked out of the room and left Doug and me to think it over. Well, I said, the job's finished, Doug, and Lynx got what he came for. What's the use of staying? Doug chewed the end of his cigar and crossed his knees. Then he laughed. I knew it, he said, half to himself, then straightening up in his chair. He leaned over to me and said, Hawkins, Link will never live by himself down here. In the first place, it is too strange for him. This is a foreign land to him. He can no more get accustomed to these Cuban people and their ways than he can forget you boys and life on the river back in Kentucky. Back in Kentucky? ah." How Doug's words struck my heart. If ever there was a time when I was suddenly homesick, it was then. As Doug mentioned the name of the old state in which I first saw the light of day. Buck on the river. Oh boy, how my heart ached then. How I yearned for all the old fellows. How I wished I could join them again by the old sycamore tree. How I wished for a sight of the old clubhouse sack in the hollow. How I thought of those old days in the houseboat. The fights with the Pelhams, And the ghostly doings of stoner's boy. Doug, I said, let's pack up and go home tomorrow. Doug smiled and shook his head. Can't do it, Hawkins, old boy, he said. We couldn't leave Link here by himself. He'd die of homesickness in a month. It wouldn't be fair, would it, Hawkins? No, I said slowly. We can't leave the skinny guy here. First place, it wouldn't seem like home without him around. And in the second place, Dak. Well, said Dak, so I hesitated. Go on, say it. I think I know just what you were thinking. Let us have it right now. I looked at Duck and he was smiling at me, just the way my daddy used to smile at me back home sometimes when I was in trouble and he was trying to help me out. I couldn't answer Dak. I just sat there and looked up at him. Hawkins, he said, you have felt that there is something going on here that makes it unsafe for Link Lambert to stay here. I nodded. Yes, I answered. I've felt that way. Things aren't being run right, Dak. These people are not Link's friends. I wish you could help him out of it, so he can get away. It isn't a place for a civilized boy like Link to live in. Anyway, if you do it for him, he would appreciate it. What can I do? asked Duck. Sell this place for him, said I. Get it turned into cash, so Link can get what's his and take it back to where he wants to go. He's homesick, I know it, Duck. Duck shook his head. You forget Hawkins, he said that i am not the official guardian of link lambert i am just a sort of a friend who might look after a friend's interest link will have to stay here a while until he knows what he wants to do then he will have to act on his own account but believe me sonny i am going to stick here until i see things worked out right if you want hawkins I'll ship you back home, that is, if you're that homesick, if you want to, you know. But I held up my hand. No, I said. I came down with you and Link, Dak, and I'm going to stay with you till the finish. Good boy, said Dak. You haven't changed any in Cuba, Hawkins. And so it was that he put off the question of going home until a later date. Neither Dak nor I had any idea of how long we were to be in Cuba. Link wanted to go home, and said so every day. But, of course, we talked him out of it all the time. We made trips to interesting places. We saw the old castles in which Spanish dance had lived many years ago. We visited pirate holes and caves. We explored old wrecks of steamships that had been cast upon the wreck. And almost every day we took a long pony ride to the low hills that lay some miles inland. In fact, there were so many things to occupy our attention that we never grew homesick until night time. It would take a whole book to tell about our daily trips. To say that Link was a rich boy is just a mere whisper. It was only after the papers had been delivered to him that we really knew what was his. Included in his new possessions were two vessels, One, a steam yacht that lay at a private wharf in the bay. The other, a double-deck launch, which had its home on the river that wound itself around the southern boundary of Casanova Plantation and emptied into the sea. When we felt free to examine the garage in the rear of the villa, we found four large automobiles and two small roadsters, Gabriel, the Spanish houseman who showed us around, explained that all of these cars were included in the inheritance. Moreno, the chauffeur, took a liking to Link, and the skinny guy took a liking to Moreno because Moreno had been to New York some years ago and could speak fairly good English. Moreno taught Link how to run the machines And soon our skinny friend was driving us about in the smart little red roadster which cocked his eye. The large cars were seldom used, as all three of us could ride comfortably in the roadster. And we used it on all of our faraway jaunts. And how we did ride, oh boy, Link would step on her and let her out for all she was worth and that little red car would run like a live thing, trying to please its new owner. Often I said to myself, I wish the boys back home could see us now. As we sped past the fields of sugar cane, the big white villas, the palm trees, the orange groves, I thought to myself if Jerry Moore could only see me now, he surely would envy me. I know just what he would say, he would shove his hands in his pockets, close one eye, tap the ground with one foot, and say, that's just Hawkins' lack. why don't something come my way once in a while? But Jerry always was a sort of pessimist. He never could enjoy anything anybody else was enjoying. He had to have a piece of the pie himself or else it wasn't good pie. It was on a Thursday night that I woke up suddenly from my sleep. Everything was quiet, and I wondered what had awakened me. I tried to go back to sleep, but I lay thinking and feeling nervous. After tossing around for about 10 minutes, I decided to run down to the dining room for one of those big red apples that I had seen on the buffet. So I slipped into my bathrobe and tiptoed out. A small light always burned at night in the hall and lit up a portion of the house downstairs. I went down and got the apple, and as I passed back to the stairway, something caught my eye in the front room. I could not imagine what it was, but as I watched the place where I believed I had seen something move, it seemed to happen again. It was gloomy and almost dark in the front room. But as I looked, my eyes became accustomed to the dim light, and I saw that I was staring at the big life-size panic of the civilian captive that we had noticed the first day we entered Villa Casanova. It had seemed to me that the figure of the woman on that painting had moved. At first, I was so interested that I forgot to be afraid. But while I stood there on the stair, watching for another move, I became frightened. I stared at the big picture as if it had been alive through my mind went running tales of ghosts that I had heard about pictures coming to life and all that sort of stuff. And the more I thought about it, the more I believed that the woman in that picture had made a motion with her hand beckoning for me. Uh, I grew so afraid that I allowed the apple to fall from my hand and roll down the stairs as I scampered as fast as I could for my room, jumped in bed and pulled the covers over my head. For a long time I lay there, trying to go to sleep, but the thought of the big picture movie beckoning for me to calm, kept me awake until the first rays of the rising sun poked a little daylight under my drawn window shade, with the return of daylight. My courage seemed to come back to me. I thought over the idea in a different light and realized that in the stillness of midnight a boy can imagine all sorts of things. I laughed at myself, and thus relieving my mind of the strain of the scare, I fell asleep again. The first thing that I did when I got up that morning was to go to the front room where the big picture hung. As I looked at the beautiful painting in daylight, it made me feel ashamed of myself for being frightened during the night before. It was an old painting, and so heavy that the frame had been built into the plaster. I looked it all over, but I was convinced that there was nothing wrong about it, nor anything loose that might have moved. The frame was well made and tight. The canvas on which the picture was painted was perfect and without a hole or a tear. I passed my fingers all along the frame and I was so glad to find that it was all right and that not a thing could have moved on it or around it that I laughed again at myself. I turned to go into the breakfast room and as I did so, I saw Link standing behind me. Hawkins, he said in a low voice. I did not know you liked that painting so much. I've been coming here often just to look at it. I was a bit puzzled what to answer. I wondered if Link had been attracted to the picture by the same thing that attracted me. I wondered if he had seen or thought he had seen what I thought I had seen. Yes, Link, I said. It is a beautiful painting. I am so glad you own it. Link smiled. You wonder how it comes that a poor skinny guy like me takes interest in pictures. Don't you, Hawkins? He asked slowly. No, Link, I answered. Anybody would enjoy looking at that picture. It is a wonderful thing, and as big as life. It almost makes you feel that you want to go up and speak to the lady, and tell her you will help her out of that prison. Jail, said Link, with a hard look in my eye. It's no prison, Hawkins. It's a jail. Worse than a prison. They had no business to lock her up in that jail. I had to laugh at the earnest way in which Link spoke. Why, Link? I said. You know more about the story of that picture than I do. I didn't even know who put her in jail or why she was put there. Link shook his head and sighed. No, he said. I don't know about it at all. But whenever I look at the face of that lady in the picture there, I think of the mother I never even saw. And when I think of her living away down here all by herself, it seems to me that she was in a jail. Why didn't somebody come to find me for her? Why did they have to wait till she died before they sent Montilla to find me? Answer me that, Hawkins. But I could not answer him. I was glad to hear Gabriel's call to breakfast. Together we went into the breakfast room, where Doc was seated waiting for us. Well, youngsters, said Doc in a cheery voice, come and eat a good breakfast. We are going down to the river today to inspect the launch. Maybe we will have some fishing. I have invited your uncle Lucio to come. It was a surprise indeed to hear this. Lenk was overjoyed. I'm so glad, Doc, he said. I like Uncle Lucio. Whenever he is with us, I always feel like staying in Cuba. He knows how to make us have a good time. A step sounded in the hall, and we heard Uncle Rafael's voice speaking to Gabriel. He spoke in Spanish, however. And although we were studying the language daily, we were not advanced far enough to catch what he said. Come in, senor, said Doug, as Uncle Rafael appeared, smiling, in the doorway. Come and join us at breakfast. Uncle Rafael Peralta grinned as he shook his head. No, thank you, he replied. I have breakfasted hours ago. I am moving out to the villa today. I have just told Gabriel to take my things to my other living quarters. Indeed, said Dak, that was not necessary, senor. We were all very glad to have you stay with us. Your nephew there will be offended at your living. Lenk excused himself and went out into the library and from the look on his face... I imagined that Dak had told Uncle Raphael a fib. Well, said Uncle Raphael after Link had gone, it is best that I do so. The Villa Kizanoba belongs not to me, and in a few years, when my nephew becomes of age, the fields and the mills too will be taken from me. But while I must manage them, I will do my best, therefore, have I taken one of the plantation houses near the mills so that I can oversee the work and make the plantation produce as much money as possible? You understand that I get only a small share. The larger part of the profits are placed in trust each year for my nephew Lincoln. It is good of you to take such an interest in the boy, said Duck Butters for he certainly deserves all that is coming to him. He had a hard life of it until he came here. Even as it is, señor, he has an ache in his heart that nothing will ever remove. He had hoped to see his mother before she died. It was cruel not to send for him until she had passed away. Señor Peralta wetted his lips with the chip of his tongue and his little black eyes beamed upon Doc Waters as he said, It was her wish that it be done as it was done. What is past is past, señor. We have work in hand, and it is best that we grieve not upon the past, but make the best of the present. Doc sipped his coffee and did not speak. Uncle Rafael got up and said, Should you need anything, Gabriel will attend to your wants. If you wish to see me, it is best that you send Gabriel for me, and I will come. You might have difficulty else in finding my plantation house. Doc nodded. Very well, he said. I will ask Gabriel for anything we may need. And Uncle Rafael Peralta walked toward the door. Then he suddenly turned and, holding out something in his hand to me, said, I believe one of you boys was brave enough to wander about in the dark last night. He smiled broadly at me as I, suddenly embarrassed by being told about my midnight trip to the dining room, reached and took out what which he held for me. The next minute he walked quickly out the door and was gone. He had taken me by surprise, and I was speechless. Dak, noticing my embarrassment, laughed. He must like you, Hawkins, he said. Why didn't he bring one for Link? What Uncle Raphael had given to me was the bright red apple that I had dropped on the stairs in the night. I knew it was the very one, because I had picked the largest on the tray. Furthermore, it had a big dent in it, where it had struck the edge of the step as it had fallen from my hand. End of chapter 9